The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Suzanne Noble. So I was sitting in a hot tub, which is my thing. I have this hot tub in my back garden with some girlfriends, all kind of between 40 and 60. And we were bemoaning the fact that the newspapers, when they talked about people getting older, it tended to be in derogatory ways. It was sagging this and no sex that. And it's just all rubbish, right? Just, you know, just make us feel bad. This woman, Amanda, in the tub, she said, somebody, that's not our lives. We felt really vibrant. You know, I think especially as older women, somebody should start something called advantages of age. And I just went, oh, yeah, somebody should. That person should be me. So I had wanted Amir to do this interview with me, but he couldn't make it because he's a serial entrepreneur. And I'm and this not, woman, uh, <laughs> I don't know about cereal, but uh, I'm definitely entrepreneur. This, this woman you're going to meet on this interview is just so inspiring in so many ways at this stage as an open nester. I got to hear it, and I have something to say, but I'll save it for later. So here it is, Suzanne Noble. Welcome, Suzanne Noble, to the Open Nesters podcast. I'm so excited to finally interview you. I've heard so many wonderful things about you. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm very excited. So Suzanne's doing things right in our little uh, wheelhouse with aging. I mean, really, really, we'll get deep into that. But we like to start on a personal note a little bit about you as what we call an open nester rather than feeling like you have this empty nest at this stage of life. You know, you have just tell me a little bit about your kids and, and the little arc of your life that you started telling me before where you are right now. So at the moment, I moved for the winter to Las Palmas Gran Canaria. Uh, that's about the extent of my Spanish, uh, which is an <laughs> island. Actually, it's much closer to Morocco, but it's close to Spain. And um, I moved here in December and I'm staying until March. So I'm staying for three months because the pandemic and the UK weather, which is where I'm from, combined last year just created this impetus in me to go, that's enough of that. I'm not doing this anymore. So I wanted to be somewhere warm. So that's where I'm living at the moment. And I'm able to work remotely, which is how I'm allowed and able to do this. And your kids are actually working remotely too, but, and they're older. So that have you, did you raise them as a single mom? And what was the story, the backstory of that? Oh yeah, I got, I got divorced uh, in 2001, so 20 years ago. And yeah, I've got two boys who are 30 and nearly 28. They're two years and two weeks apart. And they one lives in London and one lives in New York. Um, and they both work in the same industry in digital marketing for the same company, which is bizarre. And and your and your relationship is is strong. I mean, you know, tell, did you trap when you moved to back and forth 
they they loved it. They thrived there. Tell me a little bit. Well, about we didn't move at all because when the kids were born, I was married to a guy who was Canadian, but we were living in the UK. And it was only because my kids have got dual nationality that they're able to, you know, they can go and do what they want within reason, obviously. And so they were brought up in the UK and I we stayed in the UK for their entire education. So they didn't, they were educated in the UK and they've got English accents and all of that. And yeah. Was it hard for you when they, when they reached this stage of adulthood? I mean, did you, was that a, was that a transition time for you? (laughs) Well, it's funny because my father is very, um, he's kind of the living embodiment of Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's very straight talking. Uh-huh. And he just kept saying to me as the kids were reaching like, you know, 18, 19, he was like, almost done, almost done. Right. <laughs> so I was brought up with like, you know, when you get to 20, enough already. <laughs> That's enough. You just time to go. It's time to go, spread your wings, get out there. And so my son, my elder son finished university. And at that time, I just created a tech startup called Frugal. And I didn't, I needed some help and he didn't know what he wanted to do. So I said to him, um, sit opposite me and I'll pay you a small amount of money and you can come work with me. So he worked with me for two years. And so we had this incredibly close relationship. I mean, we still speak on the phone every single day because we just have that kind of relationship. And, but my younger one, I remember when he was like 23 or something. So, so the older one moved out to New York after two years, he was like, I I love you, but I'm a bit bored of you. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to New York and see, and I have some ambition to do some stuff that I need to do in New York. I can't do it here. So it's like, okay, you go and, you know, do your stuff in New York, which he did. And he's very successful and everything. And the younger one was, he said to me at about, I guess he was about 23 or something. And a room came up, a cheap room came up in a friend's house. And he said, oh, I'm thinking about taking this room. And I said, you should do that. That's a really good idea. You should do that. You should take that room. And he said, because I don't feel very wanted. <laughs> I said, I don't really think it's about being wanted. I think it's just about taking responsibility for your life. And you're, you're a grown up now. So it's time that you take responsibility. So I was really quite happy living on my own, actually. But then I realized I couldn't really afford it, which is what led to the business, this one business that I do, which is about home sharing. So now I have people living with me in London. There's two people currently living in my flat that I'm not living in at the moment, paying me rent. So you organizing this home sharing thing. So why don't we start with that since you brought it up? Yeah, yeah. So I... Uh, so my son moved out, I was living on my own. And then I realized, you know, I couldn't really afford it. And I wanted to start, um, uh, I was running this tech business. And so I wasn't really making much money. I was seeking investment. And I decided that, well, I started renting rooms out on Airbnb, like so many of us do. And then got tired of washing sheets and pillowcases and everything. And then met this guy who was in his fifties at a party. And he said, um, I need a place to live. Do you know anywhere? And I was kind of like, 
oh, should I rent my room out on the long term? <laughs> I remember thinking in my head, that's a big commitment. Like they're going to be, he's going to be in my face and we're going to be sharing. And it's, what's that going to be like? But I sort of thought, mm, maybe I should just give it a go. So he moved in with me and he lived with me for about two years and it was fun. It was really fun, you know, living with somebody my own age. He was 53. I was like in my late 50s and just kind of hanging out together, eating lunch together. He was also a startup guy. So we had quite a lot in common. And I thought, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. So then I started looking for my partner, a room for my partner at the time who was through financial circumstances, not able to rent on his own. And I realized, oh God, when you're older and you're trying to find shared living, it's really tough, you know, and most of these sites are aimed at students. So I started digging into and doing some research with this guy. And I already had this big community on Facebook around aging And so I started posting in that group, like, is anybody else living in this shared way and found out that actually lots of people were, you know, either they were living with younger people or they were living in a house that was shared or they were all different kinds of or they were living with lodgers who were, you know, perhaps more temporary. It was all. But I discovered that actually there were a lot of people like myself who couldn't really afford to keep the roof over their head, had a spare room, wanted some company. And this was a way of managing all of that. So I created. So, where this are you site. helping these matches? You'll tell us how to find that too. But where do you do these matches? Is it only in the UK, or I mean, is it all over the world? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the pandemic nearly killed the business. I mean, it killed it for most of us, and in this space, because you know, when that happened, nobody that was older wanted to share with anybody because they felt vulnerable. So we were like, we were really rocketing. <laughs> And then then it kind of flatlined and it's still it's still it's a UK only based business. And we see that, you know, fingers crossed if, you know, if things go in the right direction, we suspect that in the spring things will start coming back. But, yeah, I mean, that's the nature of startups, which is my life. So I'm just kind of used to the roller coaster, ride, which is oh, OK, it was going really well. No, it's not going so well. Yeah. Well, I'd love to go on that topic because you've been so much, like you said, in this aging arena and the advantage of age, which I love the name advantageofage.com, which is Suzanne's. We'll talk a little bit about that. And I guess that's where you found your community, which I'm really interested in because I feel like when we have that mind shift and especially look how you're talking about uncertainty, when we are able at this age to continue to be flexible and adaptable, and you're you're just demonstrating that in such a deep, deep way about business as well, so I'd like you to really talk about the journey of that and and the and what you've learned through this. Tell us a little bit about Advantage of Age, about that website and that and what you're doing there with your amazing articles I've read. So I was sitting in a hot tub. <laughs> which is, which is my thing. I have this hot tub in my back garden with some girlfriends, all kind of between 40 and 60. And we were bemoaning the fact that the newspapers, when they talked about people getting older, it tended to be in derogatory ways. It was sagging this and no sex that, and it's just all rubbish, right? Just, you know, just make us feel bad. So 
this woman, Amanda, in the tub, she said, somebody, that's not our lives. We felt really vibrant. You know, I think especially as older women, it, this we can reclaim this time, this part of our life for ourselves, right? I mean, I had this discussion yes. with a man the other day and I was like, it's different for you guys because you went out and you went to work, promote, you know, in this kind of heteronormative way, if we're going to talk in that way. But, you know, for a lot of us, we raise kids, we, we got, you know, we were really deep in that. So this time of life has been really creative and fulfilling and, and gives us the opportunity to travel and do all sorts of exciting things and re-explore creative passions. And so Amanda goes, somebody should start something called advantages of age. And I just went, oh yeah, somebody should, that person should be me. So I I was a little bit drunk, probably a too many glass of Prosecco. And I just said, yeah, okay. And they all left. And I went on the web and typed advantagesofage.com. And yeah, it was free. So I I bought that. And then they went away. It was like Christmas 2015 or something. It's a long time ago. And And when they came back to the tub a few months later, it was like spring or February, March, I said, yeah, I've, I've built that website now called Advantages of Age, and I've started curating some positive stories from around the web. And one of the women in the tab, Rose, who is a journalist and a PR, was like, oh, let's start writing some stories and let's start commissioning some articles from our friends who are mainly writers and authors and people in the media, because that's my world. And so we did that and we started. Then, then a friend of mine said, you could get some grant funding, you know, for what you're doing. I'm like, doing what? And then he went, host activities, just do activities, do stuff. And I went, oh, okay, let's do stuff. So we put in an application to the Arts Council to do three activities. One was called the Fabulous and Flamboyant Bus Tour, where we hired a double-decker bus in London, and we all got dressed up in our finery, like very colorful clothes, and we bought way too many bottles of Prosecco and we drove around London, all these old, mainly older women looking fabulous and some men also looking fabulous. And we just like used the streets of London as our catwalk. We made this little movie and then we did a taboo night where we basically rented a club and we just talked about the topics that nobody talks about, you know, like, well, like what? That's not what being able to get your dick up as an example. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, and losing right. your memory and menopause and foggy brain and all that kind of thing and sex and no sex and blah, blah. Anyway, so we did that. And then we made a film called The Death Dinner because we were very preoccupied with the fact that, you know, we are moving towards end of life and death. It becomes more real to us and we need to stop being afraid of it and start thinking about it in a way that acknowledges that just as we came into the world, we can exit the world in a really positive way as well. And just like say goodbye in a glorious way. So we have this film where we invited a bunch of people working in the death industry, morticians and funeral directors, and a woman who makes jewelry out of like, uh, I forget what it's called, mortuary jewelry and all sorts of stuff. Um, to just sit down for dinner while we just kind of talked about death and we made this great film. Um, So we did that. And then it kind of all took off from that. Everybody just kind of thought, wow, this is quite interesting. And then following on from that, I, I decided to leave my work because I had some, I'd sold my house and I had a little bit of cash. So I 
gave up all my work and I decided that I was just going to devote myself to creating this Facebook group, which was going to grow the community. And I was going to just spend time really digging into this community. I didn't really have any idea around how I was going to make money out of it or anything. I just knew that it was an area that I was really um, becoming more and more interested in. So now there's about 4,000 people on our Facebook group, which isn't huge, but they're very, very engaged. They're they're all quite um, vocal and very passionate and quite colorful people, but very, I'm really proud of the group in that we have very difficult conversations and everyone's very adult in that they don't, it's not like a mudslinging thing. So yeah, that's what I did. And then that kind of led to startup school, which is what I, how I currently make money. And that's my main thing really. So, so like, so look, I have a lot more questions about the idea of advantages of age, but let's go to your last business so that I do have a, <laughs> yeah. So, so when you, when, as you probably know, when you start speaking to a lot of people of the same age, you start the same topics start coming up over and over again, whether it's how are we going to live in the future? You know, like, where are we going to live? Oh, let's all live on a commune together with our friends. You know, like lots of people talk about that. Or how are we going to retire when we don't have enough money in the bank to retire? So, you know, it's oh, a, it's I'm, a huge, this is it. As we live longer, this is such a delight. You know, yes. So, you know, and, and, oh, I've lost my job and nobody wants to employ me because I'm too old and nobody wants to employ anyone over 50 because they think we're too expensive or la la la. So I started seeing like all these comp dating, like, you know, don't even get me started on that one. It's just so difficult when you're going on the websites and all the 60 year old men typically are looking for, you know, 35 year old women. And so, yeah, so I, so one of the topics that came up was this idea of retirement. And I saw that a lot of my friends were losing their jobs and starting businesses was something I knew how to do. So I got together with a woman who'd already run a business program, but aimed at mothers, young mothers. And we kind of got, we got a little bit of startup money to pilot it for an older age group. And then as a result of the pandemic, we were able to transition that to an e-learning platform because at that point she's no, she, she's unfortunately um, caring for her, her husband who's, who's not well, but um, I've now got another co-founder in that business. And he and I have created 25 hours worth of video content, which is around how to turn an idea into a business. And we now get funded by local government and uh, grants and from trusts and foundations because clearly the pandemic has delivered many, many people over 50 into unemployment. And when the statistics start being reported on in this very significant way, then money starts to become available to help them. So we are one of those people who receive money to support those people to try and think about how they might start a business. So that's that's really how it's been. So can you give us a, an of example of that? This sounds so important for our audience to hear. So and, and is that just the UK or is that also is that international? No, we do. We have had some international people, but we don't have any funding at the moment to support people that are international. So our funding is very restricted to geographical areas because of where we get our money from, because it comes from local government. So it could be so it's just in the UK now. It's yeah. Just- at the moment, um, we will be um, probably 
creating something that's more accessible to anyone who wants it, but probably on a paid for version. At the moment, people get it for free and we get our funding to be able to deliver it to people for free. So, so that's the way it works. But the kind of people that come through are as diverse as the over 50s population is. We get people who want to turn a craft or something they've been doing like jewelry making or ceramics, or we have a woman who creates vintage hats, knitted hats out of old patterns from the forties. We have a guy who makes guitars. We have many consultants, people, a woman who wants to help people to sleep better. Who's like a sleep coach. Um, We've got, you know, I mean, it's such a very broad, many, a couple of people who have taken family recipes to turn it into food businesses. We've got one woman who's doing Chinese sauces, who comes from a Chinese family, and another one who's an Asian woman who makes chutneys. Um, and, um, and, the, and the really interesting thing is that we get, you know, we get people with PhDs, and then we get people with almost no formal education at all. So it's such a broad range. And roughly... 60% identify as white and the rest don't. So again, it's very, it's not like a, it's not like when people think about entrepreneurship and older people, often their go-to is some corporate dude who's left his big job and now wants to, you know, be the next Mark Zuckerberg on these. Well, what's the, what's the split of, uh, of women or non It's I mean, like non-binary. about you know. 75% women. Um, mm-hmm. and that's mainly, because, I figure that might be, yeah. And that's because women struggle more, um, in, you know, this age with making money. So they don't have the same pension size in the UK. Um, they might've had caring responsibilities and often they, one in five of our cohort have got some form of caring responsibility, whether they're looking after an elderly parent, whether they're looking, still looking after a kid, a grandkid, you know, so flexibility and everything around doing something that's manageable, which is why our content is all pre-recorded, so they can dip in and out of it when they want, is really important to them. So we've learned a huge amount about this group of people, and it's I'm fascinated, and I'm also tremendously encouraged to see that you know the age is no barrier for them being successful. If you like this episode, you'll also love other episodes on our website under the Listen tab. Scroll down to our Aging, Health, and Grief category. So I love that because you come from this mindset of the advantage of age. Now, and I'm sure the obstacles are enormous. Like, what would you say some of the first ones are about when people try to step into it? And and even in some of your articles, what are the most resonant ones from the articles on your website, The Advantage of Age? What is... What are, what are people really feeling the most? Are you not the biggest saying? challenge at this age is confidence, 100%. Just that I can do this because a lot of them, they've lost, especially with startup school, they've lost their job. They're coming to the program quite low. And part of it is about rebuilding confidence and their resilience to make them feel valued. You know, we've had some people that were incredibly successful in their former career who just feel so knocked by this whole experience of losing their job. And so, you know, they come to us feeling, like I said, just really low in confidence. So a lot of what we do is, you know, about that sort of, you can do this. You are absolutely 100% capable. You've got, you know, 
decades of lived experience, decades of work experience. There is nothing that you can't do. You can do this. So do you deal with it with how do you, what are some of the teachers that come into that to teach that? Is it mindfulness, building curiosity and compassion, which are the things I like to talk about and courage? Like what are some of the areas that you feel like help them psychologically and in their bodies? I mean, I'm very much into that kind of thing too. So I wonder what you help, what's the shift? Is it, is it the, is it having little bits of success and, and helping them with people that help them coach one-on-one? Yeah, there's, there's a, a few things. One is that most programs, startup programs aren't aimed at a very specific demographic like we are. So often, people like themselves being represented in other groups that they may have been in. So they come thinking, I'm the only one who's over 50, who's ever lost my job. I'm the only one who's ever done this. And then they come on and our new cohort, I think we've got 97 people enrolled. It's starting tomorrow. So, you know, they come on, we have a weekly Zoom session where everybody comes on and then we run activities and everybody gets to meet each other and we do breakout rooms. And for, the, for a lot of them, it's the first time they will have seen people like themselves in a group, all in similar so, circumstances. So building community is so important. That's a support mechanism right in itself, just having a community that supports you. So I'm so, it's encouraging. I wish it was more something for the US as most of our listeners, although we have more in Europe now and the UK. Yeah. So I hope uh, we will definitely go into where people can find you. But what do you think you've learned in this whole professional journey about shifting some of this to these advantages of aging, kind of what has helped shift in you? Being a startup person myself, often you might have a good idea, but at the wrong time, the timing is wrong, or you might not be the right person for that idea. And somebody else may go off and do it. Who's just better suited. They might have better skills or better, whatever. But what my sons told me when I first started all of this, they're like, this is totally you. This is like this. You are absolutely 100% placed to do this. And I think that the success that I'm now experiencing myself and my co-founder with this is a result of the fact that the two of us have all these years of lived experience of running businesses, of losing jobs. I lost all my work at the beginning of the pandemic. So I speak completely from the heart when I'm talking to these people. It's like, I'm not an academic. I didn't go to, I don't have a teaching qualification. I never thought of myself in that role. So it's surprising to me now that this is what I'm doing, but also not surprising that when this woman wrote us an email today that was in in the course three or so cohorts ago, just saying, oh, I'm just catching up with you to say that I still think about you guys and here's what I'm doing. And I think about all the time what you told me, which is just like, say yes, go for it, just do it. And, you know, it's kind of become my mantra and I've got you guys to thank for it. So, you know, I just, we just get these random emails like that. And I think, oh, well, that's really nice that somebody's thinking about us and doing that. So I think sometimes you'd get to the point where it's right time, right place. And it's, it's, that's what I feel now. I just think, yeah, I'm, I, I, I just want to take a, take a breath and witness you in that. And that's what I wish people could witness more is that this is a stage we can step into our wisdom. 
I mean, they call it the crone and the archetypes, the maiden yeah. mother crone. Like I am embracing my crone. I just turned 60 last week and I'm like, yes, 60. And I am in, in my in my third Saturn, however you want to phrase, <laughs> you're stepping out your ability to expand into your gift. And so just witnessing that, I feel that fulfillment in you. And I and I just want to honor that for a moment. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Thank you. And, yeah. and, you know, you mentioned taboos, which, of course, triggered something for me for a way, ways back, because this podcast deals with a lot of taboos. And we go into s- s- spiritual living, you know, business living, new careers, new travel and sexuality. That is not just one thing. Hmm. And so and so actually, I've had success in a dating app. My husband and I are together 31 years. You would maybe want to hear some of the other podcasts. <laughs> okay. And yet we're polyamorous for half of that. Yeah. And so I recently got a dating app for the first time in my life. And I'm just turning 60. Yeah. And it because it's field and men are. And when you don't have the the the, the attached need because you're developing yourself more. And I'm lucky I, I can't even speak for the fact that I have a grounded nest husband. So I, I'm not trying. But I'm just saying that if we step in with more openness of some kind and not a predetermined what someone's going to come up because there are even younger men who want to be with older women, but it's a matter of finding those things that you're connected to, like really putting those out there. Like, what is it that I love now at this stage of my life so that someone can connect to it no matter how old they are. And it's hard to do it dating if you have a lot of fear. So the fear is something to see, like you're telling them and, and somehow to step into with a little bit more compassion and not just, you know, I, I mean, I believe that it requires a lot of that as well. Curiosity. <laughs> well, I've been on dating apps on and off since 2001. And I met my last partner. We only recently split up in like a few weeks ago in on Tinder. And my kids were like, you're the only person who's ever met anyone on Tinder. And, you know, we're, <laughs> we're friends and my my best friend and I were together as partners and we met on Badu, which is like a chat in like a chat room or something. So I'm like all about online dating. I have seen a humongous transition since I first started online dating when I was a, I was a bit younger, but also there weren't that many people on online dating. And it was a bit of it was a, it was a quite exciting time, to be honest, at the very beginning. And many people that I met in the early 2000s are still my friends um, because we have a connectedness that comes from being those first explorers in this crazy world. And I have oh. met somebody here just had a random date just for fun on Facebook dating, which was quite fun. And he writes me every day, just says hello or whatever. And (laughs) that's quite fun. But yeah, I agree. The thing, the success to online dating, two things. One, really know what you want and stick with it. Don't, don't deviate. Just because, yeah, oh, yeah, well, he's there. Maybe I could go that way. You know, <laughs> and also be prepared to be, uh, don't invest too much hope or expectation. Just explore, go with the spirit of curiosity. If you don't, if you're not enjoying yourself, you can just say this isn't working and you can just leave, right? It's There's no investment here in that way. So, yeah, I mean, I've done honestly done so much of this and 
I'm not, I'm not negative about it, but I do know that for a lot of older people, it can be a scary place. If you've been married in a very traditional marriage for 20 plus years and sudden, and you've maybe had a difficult um, separation and then you're in this crazy wild west world of online dating and every person you meet, you're investing with some sort of hope, which I is, you know, going to lead to disappointment, isn't it? My expectation, I mean, what do they say between uh, the frustration always come from from reality versus expectation? I mean, when when we and, and as we get older, the idea is that we try to do the best we can to be wiser and be where we are and not be where we're trying to go, because now we really have less time. We might as well be the hell where we are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds easy, but it's so not. And I don't want to diminish that. I know when people have had traditional marriages, it's vi- and could have been very hurt. That does make it much more scary and 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 yet it's that little it's just that little spark of fun that yeah. can change things you know so you know step into step into some new thing that maybe you never realized do the erotic blueprints online figure out what, what do you like erotically so you can look for that yeah. like you know we're not exploring often enough because we don't know the questions to ask that's right and so and so asking more questions so are there any other things that I didn't ask that are questions that you feel like you'd like to say to this population of people that are at this open nested stage of life that you usually start off your, you know, either your, either either your startup school with, or any of the articles that people write that you want to point that. So, so the last thing that I do, which I'm really, really enjoying, and actually I've got, I've got a concert on Sunday here, my first concert here, which is fun, is that I started, uh, I re-engage with my singing, which I did in, when I was younger, I was like a session singer and a jazz singer. And so I started taking lessons and singing again in my fifties and started performing in London. And now I've been, since I got here, I met a jazz pianist on the first night I was here and we've got a little, uh, we're hosting a jam session on Sunday in, in Spain. So that's, that's going to be really fun. And I would, and I am always another thing I've learned from the people in advantages of age is it's never too late to, you know, to re-engage or engage with your creative side or your creative soul. You there's always, my mother started becoming a jeweler when she was 70. She's, she sells jewelry and she's amazing. And, you know, yeah, my co-founder on Advantages of Age, Rose, she's, she uh, is a poet and she's now had her poetry published and she's done a few kind of poetry events for Advantages of Age as well. She did a thing called Dance Me to Death, which is she's into death and dancing and, and, and that was beautiful, just amazing. So yeah, there's never, you know, it's never too late to do any, anything, anything you want to do really, I think. While, while we embrace the shadow of the fact that dying is inevitable for all of us. Yes. And as we get older, usually closer. So I, I love the reality and the joy you bring to all this. This is just so good. And, and I just I should give a, a shout out to Jonathan Pillett because he's the one that connected us. And I feel like you from the beginning of this interview and your whole arc is so multidimensional that you're really giving so much wonderful insight. Um, So what would you like for people to know about you and your websites, about anything coming up that you'd like to leave behind and like you to spell out the websites and tell people about what they can gain from? Um, I mean, if they're in the UK, they can go to the startup school. 
startups? Yeah, so um, what am I looking for at the moment? I'm always interested and curious to meet other people in the over 50 space like yourself that I can collaborate with. And so we can collectively spread the news about what we're doing. So if anybody else is out there and thinks, yeah, something that I've said hits resonates with them and they want to get in touch and have a conversation, I'm always up for that. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity in the over 50 space to solve lots of problems. And I'm really happy to help people just to kind of explore how to go about doing that, whether it's coming on startup school, you know, uh, you can pay us money if you want. <laughs> I'm not, not going to not pay. Startup school for seniors. Startup school for seniors.com. Dot com. Startupschoolforseniors.com. We're always looking for contributions for our website, Advantages of Age, but they're very personal stories that we post um, that are all written in the first person about people's experiences. We love hearing about people that are travelers, explorers, doing creative things, stepping outside their comfort zone. And because people find those stories really inspirational. So we're always looking for content for our site that we can post. Those are awesome ways to bring people in. So Suzanne gave you, or we just said startup, startup school for Startup school for for seniors.com and and the other is advantage of age advantages of age advantages, advantages. there are more than one advantages <laughs> of age.com yeah so with that i really really thank you so much for this time today because I'm inspired. I feel like I could do a whole other interview with you about some specific topic, but we are definitely going to be talking further about collaboration in this space. Yeah, for so. sure. So be well. Before we summarize the episode with Suzanne Noble, here is a clip for our next episode with Dr. Tammy Nelson, author of the book, Open Monogamy. That monogamy is not synonymous with morality. You know, it's not like, okay, if I never sleep with anyone else, then we have, we've obeyed our promise to each other. The promise is really that we're going to be really honest and that's what gives our relationship integrity. That's the promise. So that in that way, you don't have to trade your partner in for someone else. You know, like maybe there's nothing wrong with your relationship. If, If there's something difficult, maybe it's the agreement that has to be changed, not your partner that has to be changed. Well, she's a quite an impressive entrepreneur, capitalizing on the opportunity, <laughs> just like we are. Uh, these great ideas always happen to be coming up in the hot tub for some reason. Yeah, we have a lot of hot tub. <laughs> I mean, she had only one of those was from a girlfriend's in the hot tub when she was buzzed. She actually talked about it a little bit too. So, and we were our creative spirit though. Like talking about that is so interesting because you see how many different. Areas of of creativity and and expansion are created just from allowing. Like what comes up now, all these different things that she's tried and that she continues to encourage others to try, and that's what's the fulfillment of the yeah. journey, right? And here he is, here she is, a woman, uh, open nester, that was able to find uh, a niche to try to teach people how to make. A business, how to start a business. I love it. And now she has a startup for, for seniors uh, as a derivative of her original business. That is phenomenal. And that just show you that there's nothing, nothing is too late. And she's, she's, singing her, she's singing her jazz at night 
and talking to other people that are creative and and expanding in their own self. And I love how she almost is like her dad. Very straight talker, too. Like, you know, like, what do we have left? Get out there and do your thing, you know? We don't have that much time left. Just let's do it. I don't know exactly too much about Colonel Sanders, the one that invented Kentucky Fried Chicken, but he was in, I believe, in late 60s, early 70s when he really hit success. So, really, nothing. It's never too late. Never too late. And I love that her kids said when she found the business, particularly about teaching, that they just said, this is totally you. And I feel like our kids are watching us in that way as well. And so this is inspiring for us to be able to know that. And I continue to learn from my children the way she talked about learning with her son and being able to witness each other. This is this is the essence of the good stuff. Right. And one thing she did not talk about is the failure that led her to her success. There is no way that any successful entrepreneur got there without failing his way through all the way to success. Well, you certainly know that. I I know that as as well. I mean, I have uh, started, what, a dozen different businesses. I failed in most. Uh, But, you know, one or two need to be successful, and that's all it takes. And especially in that open nesting stage, so if uh, you're an open nester and you're listening to this right now and you're wondering, shall I start my own business? Should I start my own business? It's too late. Maybe uh, I'm too old. I'm too young. It's not the right timing. It, nothing is too late. Never, never too late. No, never the wrong timing either. We just got to go for things and see how they... You got to go Like for even them. going up, what we talked about with sexuality is interesting. Like we don't know until we push up our, against our boundaries to try things. And like... Like um, new relationship energy. There's also new relationship energy when you start a new business. It's true. It's a romance. It's, yeah. a, it's a romance. It's a flirt. It's a success. You make progress. You make headways. So that new relation energy, I don't know if you can call it new relation it's energy. It's cool. Yeah, I like it. Why not? But you can call it new business energy. And <laughs> uh, BE, whatever you want to call it. That, that always feeds your attitude, your motivation to get up in the morning and and just be. So good flexibility and adaptability and thank you, Suzanne, for that wonderful interview. Absolutely. I really enjoy that and there's so much to learn, especially for those open nesters that want to start a business at that act three of their lives. Yes. So we hope that you will get back on our website theopennesters.com with two ends in the middle, S at the end, and tell us what kind of comments you have about the kind of businesses or kind of things that you want to see reinventing in your in your act three of the open nesting stage. And join us on social media as well as in our closed Facebook group. Absolutely. Please do. Tell your friends about the episode. Tell them about the Open Nesters podcast. We invite you and thank you for making our podcast grow. Until next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we'll see you on the radio. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio Engineering by Lucid Sound. Web Design and Blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. 
For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com. 